Welcome to the Think Data podcast, brought to you in partnership with DataWorks. If you want to stay up to date with the latest breakthroughs and trends in the world of data and artificial intelligence, and if you're curious about some of the strategies that companies and founders use to launch data and AI products, then you're in the right place. Our aim is to bring together a diverse lineup of fantastic guests, from the founders through to accomplished leaders and product owners at some of the most fascinating data and AI companies worldwide. They will each offer you their own unique insight into what it takes to launch and scale a great data business. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. This is episode 29 of the Think Data podcast in partnership with DataWorks. And on today's show, we welcome Solomon Khan. Solomon is the founder and CEO of Delivery Layer, and they are a software as a service data platform which has been built to improve the time to market and customer experience for data products. Really, really pleased to welcome you on the show today, Solomon. I know we've had a kind of a, a brief exchange over LinkedIn, which I know you're uh, ever present on. You're obviously host of your own podcast previous VP of data for Nielsen um, and launched Livery Layer back in 2022. So thanks so much for coming on. And for those that haven't A, heard of you or seen you, which I'll be surprised, um, but equally have may not have heard of Delivery Layer, would you mind kind of let everyone know who you are and ultimately what made you launch Delivery Layer? Sure. Uh, and Alex, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Excited to be here. So I, I've been a data person for a long time. Uh, I, kinda, I I lucked into the field just as that data science was becoming popular. And there was this idea that if only you could find someone who had business experience and programming experience and statistics experience all wrapped up in one package, they could have this new cool job called a data scientist. But you know, 10 years ago, it was, you know, good luck finding those people. And just through happenstance, I had, I had had sort of a, a strange career path where I had had gotten all of those skills and experiences. And so my company was having questions about what to do with data, I raised my hand to say, I actually can do this job. And, uh, and the rest has been history. I've been leading data teams and running data businesses now for over a decade. Um, I I started Delivery Layer, uh, as you said, in 2022, really with the goal of helping companies better get data outside of their company. If you think about the modern data stack, uh, it, it's it's very effective in helping to support internal decision making. And you've got uh, all of the different tools and layers of the stack that work together pretty seamlessly in order to support internal decision making or internal products. But the minute that your data needs to actually leave your company, the whole thing kind of falls apart because there are all of these assumptions about permissions and access and user experience that just no longer hold true. So a lot of companies that have external focused data products end up building a lot of custom software in order to support those use cases, right? I, I worked at Nielsen. If you think about the Nielsen, the, the real value of Nielsen is in their data. It's mm. the web applications, the APIs, the data feeds. Those are ways for customers to access their data, but, but the data is really what's valuable. And 
I would say that that holds true for, for most data companies. So delivery layer is built to support those use cases where you need to get your data to customers in a first class way, whether it's for operational purposes in the supply chain, whether you're an agency that's doing reporting, whether you're a consulting company that's building front ends, or whether you're a data business that is actually building out a first class application and API platform in order to support a data business. So that's that's delivery layer. Interesting. I, I'm fascinated. Um, so many people like yourself have worked for those large organizations. They say you rose through the ranks, obviously, at Nielsen, were running a sizable team for probably arguably one of the most kind of data-rich companies out there. And then what was that trigger um, for saying, do you know what? I'm going to leave the relative comfort of kind of agency, kind of uh, kind of data consulting, and go into launch my own fledgling business. Yeah, there, so there was actually an intermediate step there. I went, I went to go lead data at a sort of unicorn startup company, and through there, there was sort of a reorg where my job didn't make sense to 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 keep it my level, and it was a very sort of friendly thing. Um, I have gotten fired before. This was not one of those times, <laughs> but it just it just it just made made sense for me to leave and. Uh, as I looked around to think about what was coming next, uh, I thought to myself that I had had this idea for delivery layer for a long time, and I, I sort of was going to take a go at it. So that's that's how it started. Interesting, and I I know obviously going back to your Nielsen days, where you obviously went in, you you grew that function out. You were you you were kind of tasked with scaling both the. I suppose the presence of that function, but also the headcount. Well, what you know, a lot of listeners here are either on that kind of leadership route where they're kind of really interested about what it takes to become a leader, um, or they might be an individual contributor who are considering whether to move into a leadership role. You, what were your kind of um, kind of key learnings from uh, the, the time at Nielsen for actually scaling that team? You know, what what steps did you take to build that team? And the most important part here is kind of whilst also maintaining that culture of who you are and equally who Nielsen are, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the to me, the the really the most important thing is what's what's the business problem that you're solving? Because in many cases, the the growing of the data team has zero to do with the skill of the data leader. It has everything to do with the size of the problem that they're tasked with solving. Mm -hmm. And so, so a, a small, a small company with 30 or 50 people is not going to have a large data team. No, no data leader is going to be able to really super scale a data team there. You're going to have a couple of a couple of data people, probably probably two or three in a in a if 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 the company is really investing in data at a company that mm -hmm. size. Um, so so to me, the sort of scaling of of a team is really dependent on what you're going to do. So in data businesses, obviously, it's a different story. Where at a company like Nielsen or 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 many other data companies, when data is your product, you're mm. going to end up with a much higher proportion of data people working in the business just by nature of what you're offering, because the, the core of your product is 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 filled filled with data. Um, yeah. In terms of 
In terms of in general, though, it's it's all about partnering with the business and continuing to be able to solve problems at higher and higher levels. The higher level you're able to solve problems, the more that the data team is going to be important to that business. And the more you as a data leader are able to partner with executives to help them think through their problems or make sure that they're set up for success and have the support that they need, the better you're going to be positioned as a data leader. Yeah, I find that it's, it's, like, it's kind of a curious um, kind of journey, isn't it? Data leaders take because nine times out of 10, they come from that individual contributor role. They've uh, kind of showcased their technical talents. Then uh, they've chosen or they've been chosen to kind of take that path into kind of leadership and management and as managing more up than they, they are down, which kind of... Uh, which one were you? Were you a passionate future leader or were you kind of promoted to a leadership role and suddenly realized, wow, I'm kind of leading a function here? Or was this always going to, was this always part of your, I suppose, career plan? So data wasn't part of my career plan. So it's <laughs> tough to, it's tough <laughs> to say uh, some sort of leadership role was always mm. sort of part of what I was aspiring to. And like I started my, so one of the, one of the benefits to my meandering journey early on in my career before I ended up in data is that I started in finance. And yeah. one of the one of the things about finance is and especially when you're dealing with sort of valuing companies and and investing in companies, that's ultimately the goal of every everyone in business that mm. at, at the highest level when they're making decisions they're trying to make decisions that are going to increase the value of the business point blank period that's really the only core goal and getting getting an, getting early experience and deeply understanding that and the drivers that make a difference when it comes to actually having investors or selling a company or or doing transactions on a company is i think one of the big reasons that you see a lot of people try to go into finance early on and then they go off yep. and do a lot of different things because it's sort of like the ultimate first principle in business is what's going to make the company worth more and so as you mm -hmm. understand that you can derive a lot off of those first principles so that was i didn't so so i i had always been interested in business and wanted to build a career in business. Uh, and then I was also technical. So I wanted to have some way to combine that technical skill with business. Data didn't exist in the same way mm -hmm. that it did now. So for me, it was it when I, when I so I started in finance, I left to go start another startup that totally crashed and burned. But the but the thesis behind it for me personally in a skills perspective was that was two things. Number one, I really wanted to like I, I felt like the cool things that were gonna be built in my lifetime was not gonna be like the next hedge fund. It was gonna be yeah. the next technology company. It, that was very clear to me early mm -hmm. on. And so I I, when I left my finance job to go start this company, it was how do I teach myself the technology side of things that is going to make sure that whatever the future in my career is going to hold, I, I've got the business side with some good experience on 
in my job and and what I had done for a couple of years. And if I could combine that with technology, that I could kind of write my own ticket, whichever path I wanted to take, I could sort of flex in and out between business and technology. Um, so the startup failed. I ended up getting, my startup failed. I ended up getting a job at another startup and that's when data science became a thing. And so it was this perfect opportunity to combine the business and the technical into one role and I jumped on it. And and so that that to me is sort of... Um, how I how I thought about my career. And then since I've started, since I sort of focused on data, it's been tactical decisions on on you know what data opportunities make the most sense. Mm. It's almost like you've gone full circle now, isn't it? You've gone back to kind of what ultimately got you passionate about the data space in the first place. And obviously now you're uh, correct if I'm wrong, you hands-on currently and obviously but still you're obviously owning the full kind of roadmap, but you're still pretty strong and and technically hands-on as we speak yeah so delivery layer is bootstrapped and so like any bootstrapped company especially in the early days i'm i'm pretty involved in in a lot of you know it's Mm. it's like you're the 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 head of product and the head janitor that's the way that that's the way that it works in any any bootstrap business um so yeah to a, to a certain extent, I have come full circle. But data, data leadership, and I, I, I've seen this a couple times. I, I actually think that many of it, it's not it's not a hundred percent, but many of the good data leaders are still relatively technical yeah. and hands on, even as they move up the ranks and they they like lead larger teams. Like I was still running SQL queries when I was leading teams and it's not or 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 doing analyses and it's it, it's really about the sort of speed to insight yeah i could mm-hmm. have someone on my team run the query for me just like i was a non-technical leader but especially for data stuff it's important to understand actually what's happening in the day-to-day querying of the data and understanding the database you, you can't you don't it shouldn't be your it shouldn't be your full-time job, but you have no. to be somewhat connected. And so I, I was, I never totally gave up the technical side of things. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a super interesting point, especially it's got a great kind of segue into kind of something I wanted to kind of dig deeper with you really is around the current makeup of data teams, especially given the market conditions, the, let's be, let's be honest, data teams post-COVID got hugely you know, fat, they, they grew very quickly. You had multiple uh, team members doing, you know, almost doubling up on the workload. But obviously, where we are now, you know, towards the back end of 2023, you, you've obviously grown teams. Your point there is really valid around those kind of leaders who are still hands-on. I think it's super important. Uh, and I think that middle management layer is what we saw a real... Um, Unfortunately, they were, they were the ones who were kind of greatly impacted with kind of redundancies and layoffs. Moving forward, if you had that crystal ball and from your own experience, how do you think data teams, the classic kind of, you alluded to at the beginning, the modern data setup, how do you think those teams will be set up moving forward, factoring in how many people were laid off and how the companies are still operating? They're still operating, they've been quite efficient, uh, but they've got far leaner teams as a result. Yeah, it- that's a tough question to answer because there are going to be successes and failures across Completely. the spectrum. There are going to be some company it, it, it's and and 
there are going to be some companies that cut their data teams and it, it's going to cause their businesses to not have the insights that they need to operate. Mm-hmm. They'll still be able to operate on a day-to-day basis for the most part, but there's just going to, the the point of data in general is less about being able to operate versus not being able to operate. It's about being able to have a multiplier on the effectiveness of your operations. So yeah, if, like you're, if your uh, you know, sales team has better intelligence to know what's working or what's not working, if your marketing team is better able to understand different segments of customers in your company and what how they're how they're performing and what they're looking like. So that's that's where data is valuable. I mean, there are other use cases where data is the business. That's probably where I spend 70% of my time is on cases where like you're actually selling data or selling insights yep. platforms or products. So I'm I'm but most of your audience is probably on the other side where it's internal data focused. So for those yep. for those and I've I've led those teams uh for a long time. So for those for those types of teams it's it's all about it's all about how do you effectively prove that you are adding value and and that proof is generally in the perception of the business people that are that you're helping if they can very easily if someone asks them and they're like oh my gosh i do not know how this business could operate effectively without alex and and he's just like changed the game. I, he, 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 he by himself has most definitely driven a couple million dollars in value to the business. No question in my mind. That's what everybody should be striving for as a data person. That, that to me is, is success. It should be like, there's, you know, there's the different types of experiments. There's the experiments where the effect size is very, very low, Mm. but it's probably positive and it's tough to say. And depending on if you p-hack it enough or not, it's like, okay, technically valid and you can put it in a paper, right? And then there are the like step changes. It's like the business was here and then Alex joined and boop, like here was the business. And those are the kind of, that's the kind of impact I think everybody should be striving for as a data person. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that it's easy. It's not, it's not, but that, that should be the goal that everybody's looking at. I've had times in my career where I absolutely was that person. I've had times where I wasn't, but like, that's what success really looks like. I think it's a really fascinating kind of way to view it. And, you know, being on the kind of recruitment talent side of things, you do get the the requisitions, the, you know, we need to hire. And actually there's a justification for it. It's ultimately uh, they're overworked. Uh, there's new product lines being launched or someone's left. There's kind of typically why people get hired. But ma- measuring the effectiveness of the employer from an incremental gain, from a contribution um, is, is a new way of looking at it. And I know equally there's probably those tools and products out there that, can actually help with that internally, but I suppose that's quite a new, a new area, isn't it? On that kind of people piece, and that's challenging. Yeah, that's that, that to me that that part is challenging. Yeah, and and I think your your point in general it, it, that is the way that teams are grown. I always see it as more of a push, like well, more as a pull model versus a push model. Yeah, so when the when the business leaders, when the when the head of product is saying we need more analytic support, 
And there's some trade-off somewhere in the business between getting another product person or using that money to get a product analytics support person for the Mm. team. And so at the level where the product leaders are saying, actually, what we need another product person less than we need someone on product analytics to help the current product team. That's where it generally makes sense to that. That's sort of the organizational view of how you grow the team and, and, and how you hire. And then from an individual data person perspective, how do you prove your value? It's that you should always be striving to be so obvious in the impact that you have on the company that there's never even a question. Yeah, I think, and it goes back to your point earlier. But, you know, data team shouldn't necessarily be viewed just to we're here to operate and and be part of the business that's running. We should actually be part of the business that's driving the growth and actually driving the value add and those incremental gains for either their customers or those kind of uh, the consumers or uh, businesses that they're, they're selling these products to. So, I think obviously that ties in where the you, you can't get away from Gen AI this AI this and displacement here, displacement there. But in your opinion, when you look at tooling setups um, and kind of how AI could impact that, whether that's positively or negatively, what's your views on that? Um, I I am not worried that AI is going to replace most analysts. I Mm. think that at the point where the questions that analysts are asking are are answering are straightforward enough to be answered by Gen AI that they could be answered by a dashboard that an analyst puts together in a yeah. week. So yeah. I, I don't see I don't and and just in understanding the way that data works, most data work is is not trivial. Take take find me customers that have spent over $1,000 with us from this table where there's customers and amount spend in two columns and it's super easy. That's mm. that's not the way it works. It's okay, we want to slightly shift the way that we're defining different customer segments. How would you best do that? And you need to have such context on the business and the data in order to actually operate and answer those questions that I don't, I don't see Gen AI being a real threat to data analysts. I know other people disagree with me. Um, If there is any amount of automation or benefit that you get from Gen AI that's going to replace analysts, I think it's probably going to be offset, if not more than offset, by the fact that data teams are probably going to be the one helping a lot of business lines implement some of the Gen AI tools that Mm. they're going to want to put in. I mean, data teams have have forever sort of doubled as internal tools teams. Uh, and yeah. so I, I think that if anything, it, it probably leads to more, more data work as opposed to less data work. Mm. And, and at the, at the leadership level also, I think it drives more relevancy for chief data officers and less, less of a versus less relevancy because, and, and, I know this is slightly controversial, but I think it's sort of on a lot of the chief data officers to be helping their companies work through Gen AI, not necessarily because they're Gen AI experts or that they should have been Gen AI experts, but because they are more appropriate than anyone else. So it's not that like 
it's not, it's whatever. It's not like, it's like if a bear is chasing you, you don't have to be like super fast. You just have to be faster than the other people. <laughs> that, so that, yeah. that's the way that I see Gen AI. Yes, it's kind of unfair in some cases. The chief data officers are like having everybody look at them to figure out something that they're not necessarily better positioned than anyone else. But it's sort of, the world changes. Sometimes new things come up. This is an opportunity and you kind of got to help your companies navigate it. Yeah, and I think you're you're completely right in the sense that it's it's the efficiencies that AI can give you and your analytics teams, which is ultimately going to en- allow them and enable them to do better work. I don't think there's going to be a, a little, we're we're in the the space of placing data people, so God forbid they are all displaced. But I think the the reality is the tooling and the efficiency that these products are driving are going to hopefully allow the analyst to do proper analytics work and actually do the insights work because they're, they're, they're going to be the ones that ultimately understand the business problem and the use cases. And I think we're a long way away from AI being that intuitive. However, there was an article a couple of months back saying 98% of the Fortune 500s on their earnings calls reference AI um, as kind of the next thing they'll be looking at. So it's obviously no getting away from it. And I, yeah, I, I find your views interesting about you know, it could potentially lead to bigger teams. It'd probably just be slightly different setups, I guess, in terms of what we probably classically view now as a data team. Yeah, yeah. And I, for you, obviously going full circle with Delivery Layer now, um, CEO, founder, individual contributor, uh, in charge of everything. What What's next for you? Kind of, I know, you know, we're navigating a, a, a rather interesting period. Your business is over a year and a half old now, but what, what does the future hold for you guys? I mean, it, it's pretty straightforward. Delivery layer is looking to grow. So, um, you know, bringing on more customers, finding more companies that are looking to build external facing data applications and APIs and you rinse and repeat. Uh, when I, when I started the company, I wanted to start something that I could see myself working on for a very long time up to the rest of my career. And I, I really like this type of data work where there's like actual revenue that your data team can offer and point to, to say, here's, here's, here's the revenue we're driving. Here's a real business that's on top of our data, or here's, something that we're able to unlock for our customers that the data team was instrumental in in bringing to life. And this isn't to diminish in any way the importance of internal decision-making. I think that that is a very important part of data work. You cannot get... That comes first in any Mm -hmm. company and, and there's a massive benefit to making decisions informed by data. But I think adding in some of this external revenue generating side of things, especially for CDOs who are trying to partner with business leaders and show how data can drive revenue, like the best way for data to drive revenue is to actually have the data drive the revenue. Yeah, well, I, I, I love the the problem it's looking to solve. I, I know for anyone listening here, I'll make sure that I tag you into the comments and everyone who's listening do yourself a favor and obviously uh, give solomon a, a follow his content your regular poster on uh, on linkedin you have your own podcast and for those who are listening obviously not taking traffic away from this i guess but what was your podcast focus on why should people uh, tune into that 
Yeah, I mean, it's focused on more of the business side of data. Yeah. So I I am not going to be able, there are so many better people than me to tell you about how to derive different machine learning algorithms or to really get into the depths of various different technical tools. I'm, I'm, I, I'm more of the sort of carpenter versus like material science engineer. I can nail the two by fours together. I know, I know what models are important for when I know how to build applications based on them, but I am not, I'm not deriving the next machine learning models, but I am very experienced in, uh, leading data teams and businesses. And so for me, it's it's more of the, the business side that most of the... Because what's interesting is that there's been a shift. In the early days of data science, most of the people who got into the field came from the business side. Mm. And there was a lot of knowledge that came along with that 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 informed what companies like that informed kind of how data science started to become successful in a lot of these companies. Um, what's happened over the years is that the technical training because there, there was and there was no technical training. Now there's a lot of technical training available. And so as people get into the field of data, they they get a lot of the technical things that we all had to kind of learn the hard way or slash didn't didn't like really learn the hard way. Yeah. Um, and, and like tools have solved problems. Like I remember writing, you know, pipelines in Luigi before Airflow was available and before tools would send your data to data. I remember when Redshift launched, right? Like, so those were like a lot of a lot of problems have been solved now. Um, but you you don't get as much of the business side coming up. And I think it's a gap. So that's what I'm trying to fill with a lot of my content. Fantastic. As I said earlier, I'll, uh, I'll definitely tag you in. I think your content is great. Obviously, that's how we end up talking. So no, I can't thank you uh, enough for your time today, Solomon. You gave some really interesting insights. I'm, I'm sure everyone's fascinated to a, follow you and obviously kind of follow the success of Delivery Layer. So uh, thanks so much kind of, for your uh, your time this morning. It's been, uh, been my pleasure to have you on. All right, Alex. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Solomon. Good man.